0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Trashy Divorces. I'm Alicia. I'm Stacy. This is
1: your midweek Trashy Breakups edition.
0: Holy cats. I'm excited for our season 15 summertime. Oh, fun. Stacy, you're bringing us a COVID breakup that didn't happen, but then there's more to the story after that and before that. Fantastic.
1: There's a lot. Alicia, I think you're familiar with beloved fantasy author Neil Gaiman. He writes a lot of good stuff. Stardust, mm-hmm. Coraline, talented writer. The Sandman graphic oh, yeah, novel. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just just beloved. He's a beloved figure. He, of course, is married to a musician and let's say theater adult. <laughs> She's a theater are... kid. Yeah. Got uh, it. This is Amanda Palmer. Amanda Palmer originally rose to prominence as one half of the dark cabaret music duo The Dresden Dolls. Oh, that's right. Right. She may be best known these days for a lot of controversies let's say a little online there are opinions there are opinions in the online world when it comes to the personality that is amanda palmer on the internet
0: so your story today is spiced up with a little trashy scandal sprinkle let's say it's seasoned it's well seasoned perfect perfect yes.
1: So Neil is known, he's pretty private about his personal life. Like, I mean, they they talk about their relationship in interviews, but he is much more reserved. She is much more extroverted, let's say. It does seem like a general rule that the less the public knows about a famous person, the more the public is likely to like that person. You can be too familiar with your celebrities, I believe. We've seen that. We've seen that. That's a little bit Amanda Palmer's brand. Which is interesting in itself. Anyway, let's meet Neil. So, Neil Richard Gaiman was born in Portchester, England, on the 10th of November in the year of our Lord, 1960, which makes total sense given the quintessentially Scorpio nature of his writing. Ah,
0: Scorpio Man. Right. In
1: 1965, his parents, Sheila and David Gaiman, became involved in the Church of Scientology and moved to be close to its British headquarters.
0: Oh, Uh-oh. my. In
1: 1968, the Gaemans had a student of Scientology named Johann Sheepers Schiepers, living in their guest house. This guy tragically died by suicide oh, in no. that house. And David apparently lied under oath about his relationship to Johann. He claimed that Johann had come for the lottery and had no affiliation with the Church of Scientology. So, anyway... In 1986, Sheila and David Gaiman traveled to Chernobyl following the nuclear disaster there under the guidance of the Church of Scientology, where they performed this controversial procedure called the Purification Rundown on some of the people affected by the radiation. Because that's what they need. Yeah, this procedure was developed by L. Ron Hubbard himself, TD alum from back in season one, I think. Ooh. And was, you know, often used as a means to bring vulnerable people into the Church of Scientology. So Hubbard claimed this procedure could cure the effects of exposure to toxic chemicals, long-term drug use, kidney, liver, heart disease, obesity, cancer, and AIDS. Some
0: people will believe anything.
1: Okay, so this program requires people to ingest massive amounts of vitamins they take niacin at about 333 times the usrda the recommended dosage don't do this by the way like there's a thing called niacin flush you don't have to get anywhere close to this but all of the capillaries in your skin loosen at the same time and for about 20 minutes you are lobster red ask me how i know okay (laughs) (laughs) so there were mineral supplements and a full cup of oil per day people doing this protocol are then required to exercise vigorously and spend up to five hours a day sweating in a sauna hubbard claimed that this works by eliminating the body fat where toxic chemicals are stored because you're exercising you're anyway and replacing it with fresh fats from all that oil that you're drinking by the cup full every day the procedure has been widely condemned by doctors, advisory boards, academic journals, respected news publications, the U.S. Surgeon General, the National Council Against Health Fraud, universities, government departments of health, myself. I think you're shaking your head here, too. Sounds right. Yeah, I disapprove of all of it. Not Re- recommended. Reviews of it range from, quote, ineffective to, quote, actively dangerous. Yikes. Do not try this at home, friends. So, according to... uh David Gaiman's website after Chernobyl, quote, Mr. Gaiman worked tirelessly to establish the program to rid sufferers from the effects of toxins, pollutions, and nuclear radiation in the UK, Russia, Siberia, Kazakhstan, and Vietnam. Following the 9-11 disaster in New York, volunteers used the groundwork established by Mr. Gaiman, Neil's dad, to make the Hubbard detoxification program available to first responders harmed on you know, ground zero cleanup. So, okay. It was through Scientology, though, that Neil would meet his first wife and the mother of his first three children, Mary McGrath, to whom he was married from 1985 to 2007. She's apparently still a member of the church. Neil has publicly cut ties with Scientology, but the two remain on good... They're they're co-parents. They remain on good terms. They were very private about their relationship Neil did mention in his blog that neither he nor she had expected public scrutiny that you know their relationship received after, I guess, he started churning out amazing works of art. His writing career began in journalism, and then it expanded into writing comics, including creating a variety of characters for the Spawn franchise, and then a few years later into novels. Some of his most famous works, as noted, include The Sandman, Good Omens, which was co-written with another of my favorites, Terry Pratchett, he That's of right. Discworld fame, American Gods, the children's novel Coraline. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's the winner of the British National Book Award for The Ocean at the End of the Lane. He's a Hugo Award winner for his screenplay for Good Omens for the Amazon BBC adaptation, and these are really just the tip of the iceberg in terms of awards and accolades for his extensive body of work in various mediums. The guy is kind of unstoppable. He's written comics, graphic novels, radio programs, films, television series, and even stories for like several of Tori Amos's uh, tour books. Oh, really? Yeah, they're very huh. good friends. He's the godfather to her kid. Interesting. So. Mm-hmm. He wrote a pep talk for Nano Rimo National Novel Writing Month. You know, this was deeply inspiring to me the year that I actually completed the NaNoWriMo challenge, so anyway. He is also very much, in contrast to his future second wife, a revered and just well-respected denizen of the internet. He's frequently boosting extremely humane things on Twitter, and generally just being a good and thoughtful presence in a space that frequently draws an aggressive peanut gallery seemingly from nowhere. This seems like a great place to drop Neil at the Trashy Divorces Depot, hop tracks, and meet his current wife, musician, artist, and intermittent lightning rod, Amanda Palmer. Amanda McKinnon Palmer was born in New York City on April 30th, 1976, and grew up in a suburb of Boston, Massachusetts. She was involved in theater from a young age and attended Wesleyan University. After college, Palmer formed a theatrical group she called the Shadowbox Collective, They specialized in street theater, and she both performed and directed with the group. Around this time, Palmer busked as a living statue.
0: I remember this, yes. Yes.
1: She would don stilts, put on makeup, and a bridal gown and veil. She called this character the eight-foot bride. She writes about this pretty extensively in her book, The Art of Asking, which we'll get into. Controversy, part A. When Amanda Palmer was... Eighteen, so back in the mid-90s. She staged a fake suicide. No. And then recorded her boyfriend's reaction <sighs> to coming home and discovering her apparently lifeless body. Pardon me? Yes. He had a history with drug addiction and had promised previously to get sober, but he had told her that night that he was going to go out with friends and use drugs. So she wanted to convey to him how hurt she was by this. Anyway. Maybe
0: you could have just sat down and talked about how much you were hurt by that. That seems quite an extreme length to go to.
1: Yeah. Okay. To make matters worse. It um, gets worse. Uh, about six months after this incident, um, her boyfriend died by suicide. <sighs> In spite of all of this, Amanda went on to use the audio that she recorded on her first studio album in 2008, so this was not an 18-year-old naive thing. This was... 20 years later. Well, yeah, this... Yeah.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Anyway, her solo release was called Who Killed Amanda Palmer, so I guess it felt fitting. She's discussed this whole series of events in interviews and live shows. You can find this online. It's, uh... It's a thing that happened once. Amanda continued to perform music in theater at small venues, house shows, parties, and this is how she met musician Brian Viglione, with whom she formed the band The Dresden Dolls in 2000. The band toured extensively, including an opening tour for Panic! at the Disco. They released three studio albums. I think they're reforming. I think she announced that this year. She also co-wrote a stage play called The Onion Cellar, which featured music from the band. The Dresden Dolls grew It was a very niche, but it was a super dedicated fan base. Amanda described the band as Brechtian punk cabaret, and they were known for a unique musical sound, dark themes, inventive and theatrical live performances. Certainly not stuff that's to everyone's taste, but if you're into that... You You were way into
0: it. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. it's not
1: like there's a huge... There are not a lot of options filling that niche. So if you're into that, Dresden Dolls was your thing. Dresden Dolls were also an early adopter of that newfangled internet machine, and one of their innovations was the development of an email list, back when that was just not like email was new. This kept them tightly connected to fans all over the place, all over the world. There's a psychological concept called parasocial relationships, which describes the closeness that individuals feel to, you know, favorite celebrities, favorite sports teams, podcasters really benefit from parasocial relationships. So the celebrity sports team, whatever, does not know that person. But anyway, that bond is there. And I think Amanda Palmer had a really deeply intuitive understanding of how the parasocial relationship dynamic could be applied in a pretty powerful way to foster a sense of community among Dresden Doll's fans, and later with her solo and, and other work. So... Again, she writes about this a lot in her book. But a dedicated fan base does not by itself insulate an artist from criticism. In 2007, Amanda and musician Jason Webley claimed to have discovered a musical duo of conjoined twin sisters and rescued them from a life of exploitation and abuse. The twins were actually characters portrayed by Amanda and Jason, wearing specially designed two-person dresses The duo created an elaborate, traumatic backstory for the characters, performed live, and eventually released a concept album called Evelyn, Evelyn. Amanda posted a detailed backstory for the fictional duo on her blog, with no clear indication within the post itself that the story was fiction, which caused upset and backlash. The act was critiqued by disability activists as disability drag, which should actually be a term used to describe awesome drag performers who happen to be people with disabilities, but in fact is the, you know, practice of able-bodied people masquerading uh, as disabled people for um, clout, money, etc. Weirdly, creating fictional disabled characters to be tragic freak show characters in need of rescuing and portraying them without any input or involvement from any physically disabled people... Uh, did not endear Amanda to disability activists. Amanda's response to the criticism, a blog post titled Evelyn, Evelyn, Drama, Drama, was a long defense of the project, stating that the work requires context to understand. The only apology portion read, I deeply apologize if anyone has been offended, which is kind of a classic non-apology apology. apology.
0: I'm not sorry for what I did. I'm sorry that you're...
1: If you took it the wrong sucker. way, yeah, I'm so not sorry. my fault, right? Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, this is probably a good spot to squeeze in a break to hear from our sponsors before we get these two kids together, then apart, and then back together. It's a happy ending in the end.
0: Oh my! We'll see you on the flip.
1: Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Sagal, and
0: I'm Kurt Sutter, and welcome to our new podcast. Called Pi, people, influences, and experiences.
1: Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know ya at a deeper level—the who, what, when, where, and why you are, rather than what it is you do.
0: Absolutely, we're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. All right, Stacy, so we know our cast of characters, for good or ill.
1: <laughs> for, for, for good and ill. It was through Evelyn, Evelyn, that Amanda and Neil would eventually meet. Um, she asked Neil, well, so Jason Webley, her co-conspirator with Evelyn, Evelyn, was a mutual friend and introduced the two of them. Apparently, she asked Neil to write some stuff for a series of photos she was doing as a corpse, <laughs> There are themes that just are consistent throughout the work. See, we're in podcasting, so you actually can't see my face right now, listeners. Right. But Trash Pandas, it's a face. It's a face. Neil and Amanda were engaged in January of 2010. They married a year later. Amanda staged a surprise flash mob wedding for Neil's 50th birthday in November of 2010, where she reprised her street performance character, The Eight Foot Bride. A legal wedding followed in January 2011. Amanda discussed on her blog that she and Neil had issues cohabitating due to their different lifestyles and her lack of experience in sharing a living space. It it seems like it was a process for them to figure out how to be together, as it is for everyone. It really is. Mm -hmm. Relationships are tough. Yes. In 2012, this is probably the most famous Amanda Palmer controversy. In 2012, Amanda raised more than $1 million, I think it was actually like $1.2 million on Kickstarter, to fund a solo album and tour. And then when she went on tour, she published a request for local musicians to apply to come play with her band on each stop of the tour. They would be paid with hugs and beer and high fives. And pizza too? Probably pizza too. Wow.
0: No, you can't do that.
1: Yeah, it was... rubbed everyone the wrong way this was a very big deal at the time massive backlash just massive there was this major conflict with the musicians union in seattle over this and amanda finally relented and agreed to pay the local musicians who were coming out to to, to make big noise with her band right it's a great opportunity but Maybe a little more than hugs and beer.
0: opportunity doesn't put uh, food in my belly. It does not. It does not pay my power bill.
1: It does not. She released a statement on her blog reading, quote, We have decided we should pay all of our guest musicians. We have the power to do it, and we're going to do it. Okay. Okay. Two years later, Amanda released a memoir based on a TED Talk called The Art of Asking or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Let People Help. This is a really good book. It is a really good book. It, it, if you're going to do a creative thing, I realize Amanda Palmer has some problematic elements, but read her book. Agreed. Yeah. Excellent book. This memoir included the tale of her massively successful Kickstarter fundraiser and other stories, general advice relating to the topic of allowing oneself to receive support in pursuit of creative endeavors. It got mixed reviews. A lot of readers felt inspired and many others were sort of frustrated by some of the blinders they felt that Amanda had. In NPR's review, uh, there was this line, In thinking about the art of asking, Palmer misses its most basic tenet. In our society, certain kinds of people are allowed to ask for things and certain kinds Mm. of people are not. She writes as though the biggest obstacle to getting the help you need is a reluctance to ask, not say ingrained social structures having to do with race and class. Fair point. Fair point. Amanda again sparked controversy oh My God, when she published a poem on her blog addressed sympathetically to the Boston Marathon bomber, humanizing and empathizing with a murderer. Again, she, her hometown is Boston, so that whole event, I think, a- affected her. Anyway, the outrage about this poem, which really gave no... Consideration to the victims of the bomber prompted Amanda to write another blog post explaining her process in writing the poem, which itself prompted so much backlash that she deleted that post. The original poem is still on her blog, though, along with an edit linking to the now-deleted explanation. It's odd. The same year, Amanda and Neil announced publicly that they were in an open relationship and that they both had lovers outside of the marriage. Both of them discussed this arrangement pretty freely in interviews until 2015 when Amanda gave birth to their son. I think Neil has since described this as a theoretically open relationship because with a kid, they're not going to... Exactly. Yeah. All right. In 2020, a year that I think stands out in most of our minds, Amanda and Neil were in New Zealand with their child when pandemic lockdown started. And New Zealand had a real lockdown, not like the American-style lockdown. In May of that year, apparently, they split up. Neil traveled to Scotland. It was very curious. It was very weird. Amanda took to Patreon to announce the separation with a public post entitled, Where's Neil? A Note About What's Happening. Where she wrote, among other things, since people are getting confused and asking and my phone and inbox is blowing up with Where's Neil a few times a minute... I can only gather that he's finally told the internet that he's left New Zealand and I thought I would come here with a short note. She continues, Neil has left for the UK. I'm still in lockdown here in New Zealand with our four-year-old son for the foreseeable future. All I can say is that I'm heartbroken. I really am profoundly struggling and I need to call my community to me like never before. I need you. I am so far from home and so alone right now. I do not know what is going to happen. So you all know this did not happen because of COVID or lockdown, though the timing is comically bad. Other things came to light after we got here to New Zealand. That was certainly one way to use your Patreon page, but it turns out that Neil apparently did not know that Amanda was going to make this post and wasn't even on board with the idea that they had broken up. Oh, oh yes oh god yes a little confusing there subsequent posts from from each of them and then like to like mutual posts would only reference that somehow he had caused amanda great hurt eventually this became they had hurt each other and that they were going through rocky times and so on but like a week after neil got to scotland his goodreads account updated to indicate that he was reading. A book called Splitting, Protecting Yourself While Divorcing Someone with Borderline or Narcissistic Personality Disorder by Randy Krieger and Bill Eddy. Neil posted the next day claiming that his account had been hacked to play up the drama of the split. No idea on that. In any case, whatever the cause of that rupture, which they've never, they've always said the details of that are private. It seems like they talked it through pretty intensively in the near term and decided to stick it out, even if they were on opposite sides of the world for a while. I think it took Neil like nine months to be able to... It was a while, yeah. Yeah, because New Zealand had really strict entry. Go Kiwis. Y'all handled it. Oh, and uh, his escape from New Zealand via LAX, like he... Auckland to Los Angeles to, yeah, to arrive ultimately at his vacation home on the Isle of Skye in Scotland... Also broke the UK's COVID lockdown rules, <laughs> oh. for which he apologized. I'm I'm sure quite sincerely. I don't know what was going on with them, but they clearly needed space in that moment. Scotland, New Zealand—that's about as much space as you can get. In 2021, the couple stated in interviews that they were officially back together, and they've remained pretty tight-lipped about their relationship since. Yeah, that no time. wonder. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it took Neil nine months to be granted permission from the New Zealand government to reenter due to border restrictions, during which time Amanda was parenting their young child alone. One of her blog posts, she talks about how their kid has, like, again, real lockdown, that their kid has not seen a kid their own age in like six weeks. Wow. I mean, just intensive it's stuff. Tough. It's
0: tough for parents everywhere.
1: yeah. Yeah. So Neil mentioned on his blog in January 2022 this year that Amanda was away at a yoga retreat and said that he was acting as a single parent to their child temporarily. And this seems to be the last publicly available mention by either of them about the current state of their marriage. Like, they just seem to be back together doing their thing. Neil has spent much of this year on tour where, according to his blog, he wanted to quote, get out there every night, read stories and poems and such like answer questions and generally try to interact with a living, breathing audience. They both feed on, on like in a good way. I mean, it's, it's a feedback loop. Amanda most recently stoked controversy with a TikTok cover of the song pressure from Encanto that users critiqued. Like she honestly can't really do anything on the internet that does not draw scorn. Mm. Um, Again, acquired taste. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, users felt like it was kind of removed from the story's cultural context. And I don't know. Newsweek these days used to be a very respected publication. Now it kind of covers internet controversies as it's bread and butter. So... Well, you go to where the bread is and you go to where the butter is, babe. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She also started a podcast called The Art of Asking Everything... Although I think that's been on hiatus for for a time now. In June of 2022, she announced on her blog that the Dresden Dolls would be reuniting, recording new music and touring. So congrats to all the DD fans out there. Amanda remains a uniquely polarizing figure, a fairly constant source of what the Dutch call ophef in terms of creating online kerfuffles pretty regularly. Some of these have resulted in Twitter mobs descending on sort of unsuspecting people As when a disability activist was mobbed with unhinged attacks from, and let's note, her fellow Amanda Palmer fans.
0: Oh, no, 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 no.
1: The writer Jude Ellison Sadie Doyle in a December 2014 In These Times piece called Amanda, quote, the most hated woman on the Internet, Mm. but also cops to having been part of culturing the online irritation at the phenomenon that is Internet personality Amanda Palmer So I'm going to give Doyle the last words on that here. They write, Yet the facts are what they are. I disliked Amanda Palmer because she was careless with her power and that carelessness resulted in someone getting harassed and told to, quote, fucking die. But I was part of building the media consensus against Amanda Palmer, which made hating her both common and acceptable. And at the end of that process, Amanda Palmer got abuse and death threats. Careless use of power cuts both ways, as uh, it turns out. I thought that was a very, very nicely introspective bit of writing there. That's a lot to unpack, Stacy. Yeah, so that is where we stand with uh, Neil and Amanda, apparently back together. Wishing ha-
0: those kids the best of luck and all the happiness.
1: Hopefully happy um, and moving on with careers in our new normal of the pandemic. I, I don't know. But traveling, interacting with their audiences again, which I'm sure is really, really wholesome for both of them. I want to thank our researcher, Kit, for doing the heavy lifting on this one. Cataloging the many online controversies of uh, Amanda Palmer is not the simplest job. (laughs) I don't even think this is like a complete telling. It's just the flavor of it. That was the seasoning of of Trash Spice. Yes. Thank you,
0: Stacey. And thank y'all. For tuning in today to this episode of Trashy Breakups. We're going to be back on Sunday with a brand new Hall of Famer All-Star.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and until then, if you want more from us, you can check us out at patreon.com slash trashy where we have early ad free episodes and oh, so much more.
0: Oh, so much more. Something every day happening around that place. Just like TDHQ. <laughs> Not as much controversy, though, I don't think. Hopefully. Hopefully. Everybody, have a fantastic rest of the week. Big love. We'll see you on Sunday. Until we meet again. Keep those hands clean.
1: And keep your polarizing little heart trashy.
0: (laughs) Bye, y'all. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacey and Alicia.
1: You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some trashy
0: divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly